Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. Hello, everyone. The holiday season is upon us. Okay, I know. I said I wasn't going to do a podcast for Christmas, but I was thinking that some of you need a word of encouragement at this time. Christmas brings either dread or excitement, or somewhere in between. Me? I would rather avoid the whole season altogether. Sleep through it, to be exact. (laughs) I don't really care about presents. I hate the commercialism of the holidays. We've got Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday, Christmas Eve sales, the day after Christmas sales. I get 300 emails a day from businesses. Now, on top of whatever other junk we had to deal with this year, I just don't have it in me to do Christmas this year. I'm putting up minimal decorations that are easy to take down because no one's going to come over anyway. Now, I did give to my designated charity. Can you guess which one it is? (laughs) I will be giving out minimal gifts this year. Probably a roll of toilet paper. (laughs) Now, I promise to keep it real, folks. Christmas conjures up a lot of mixed emotions with me, just like with you guys listening. I've had many family members die during the previous holidays. Right now, my oldest brother has COVID and isn't expected to make it. There's always one relative who isn't talking to me. This year is no exception. So where I'm at, it's sunny most of the time, but... We can still get melancholy during the holidays, and that's okay. You don't have to be June Cleaver or be Norman Rockwell or have a Norman Rockwell Christmas. You can worship the Lord during the season without all the hustle and the bustle Do your version of Christmas, not somebody else's. Binging Christmas movies in your pajamas and cocoa is fine. Now, we seem to be doing that every day now, it seems. (laughs) Binging movies. Christmas is going to be different this year. Hey, 
You don't have to hang out with those family members that are toxic. There, I said it. COVID is a good reason to do your own thing this year. And don't go into debt to buy gifts for people who don't need what you bought them or who aren't going to like what you bought them anyway. That drives me nuts. The obligation to buy stuff. Why don't you buy a gift for someone who really needs it? Now, I really try to focus on the real meaning of Christmas. I was just in Israel in November of 2019. It seems like so long ago. We were in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. We saw the shepherd's field. Now it was not what I expected. The shepherd's field was like it was a hill, actually, and it had prairie grass, and there were caves all over. Because that's where they would put their sheep. Now, the Church of the Nativity uh, was so very cramped and hot. We waited three hours to see the cave that supposedly the exact spot where Jesus was born. People that were not in our group were pushing and shoving and cutting in line. It was not my favorite site in Israel. In fact, I don't recommend the Nativity, Church of the Nativity, rather. But when we were in Israel, it was 80 degrees or more. Now, I am no stranger to the heat because I'm from Phoenix. But I was overheated and nauseous. Maybe the elevation or the, humili the humidity did it. I was like, I'm sorry, Jesus. I just don't care today. <laughs> I just want to go back to my air-conditioned bus. Now, I had some other health issues going on, too. But it wasn't until we got back from our trip that... We got out the pictures and reflected on everything. When I read my Bible, I can now see the places mentioned. We walked where Jesus walked. Now, you can read more about our trip to Israel on my blog with pictures. So that's dswministries.org. And um, the blog post is things they don't tell you about your trip to Israel. Great title. <laughs> I give you the honest truth. <laughs> but this year, most of the things about Christmas I enjoy are canceled. Our church has this ladies' Christmas dinner that I do every year. Now, we get to decorate our, our tables that we host lavishly, and we invite guests to the event, which has music and a special guest speaker and really delicious catered food. I've done, I've been a host for two years in the past, and it really is the highlight of the year. It really got me into the mood for the real reason for the season. Our church also has a lights display. Um, our pastor's dad 
creates all the light fixtures by hand. I mean, with iron and soldering and, and it's all over the campus. And we have hot chocolate and cookies, hay rides. I think that's still going to go on since it's outside. Usually our employers have a formal dinner where we get dressed up. Now, last year I sewed a gown to wear. Brian dressed up like Santa and I was Mrs. Claus. It was really fun and and we were we were a big hit according to those that were at the parties. That unfortunately is canceled this year. I do especially like Christmas music a lot. No, I won't get to sing in person this year. That's a tradition. Now I will direct you to my YouTube channel where I have a lot of Christmas songs that I've sang over the years. Some are new and some are old. Some you've never heard of before. So go over and check it out. So I have a, a playlist just for Christmas music. So you can, you can look for that. And of course it's DSW Ministries is my YouTube channel. I will be including a song from my album, my favorite Christmas song, at the end of this podcast for you just to get a taste. Now you would think that I would talk about something like peace or joy or even comfort. <laughs> I'm actually going to talk about trust today. Think about it. It's very fitting for the Christmas story. Mary had to trust God when she was given the news of becoming the, the Messiah's mother. She was an unwed mother. In those days, that usually involves being stoned. Seriously, people. She said yes. She had to trust God to protect her. What about Joseph? He had to trust Mary, that she was not unfaithful. They were engaged. He had to trust God to take care of them when they were running for their lives from King Herod. All kinds of trust going on here. So trust is such an important word. It conjures up all sorts of emotions. But it's one of the bedrock requirements for any kind of relationship. So if you're an abuse survivor of any kind, you may have had issues trusting people. Well, that's normal. Everyone wants to feel safe. And having trust violated can be very traumatic to anyone. You know, some breaches of trust can be forgiven more than others. Let's dive into this a little bit more. Now, there are different levels of trust. There are definitely people you don't trust. Criminals, car salesmen, <laughs> mechanics, timeshare presentators, your ex, strangers you meet on the street, people who have burned you before. Those pretty much come with the territory, with a few exceptions. Then there's the next level. Okay, this is the surface level, minimal level of trust. 
Is it your your friends, your acquaintances, maybe your coworkers, people you purchase goods and services from all the time? You have a relationship with them. Now, the more involved or a moderate level of trust would include people like your counselors, your lawyer, perhaps, an accountant, your doctor, some of your close friends and family, your bank, hopefully your church friends or your pastor. And then there is the deep level of trust, the highest tier. This is your inner circle, folks. This is reserved for God, spouses, your parents, caregivers, your best friend, people that know you more than anyone else. Now, these are generalizations depending on your situation. What is important is that you recognize the three different levels and put the people in your life into one of those levels. Some may fit somewhere in between, that's okay. So the fact of the matter is, trust is earned and it can be taken away at any time. The problem is, we trust people too easily or we give somebody the wrong level of trust. So trust is related to boundaries which we will develop more fully as time goes on. So here's the thing. You don't have to trust anyone. In fact, you shouldn't. Again, we often trust people too easily and that can get us into trouble. You know this already. I have very few people in my inner circle or my highest tier. That's what we describe as a deep level of trust. I can count them on one hand. That's how it should be. Now, I used to welcome all kinds of people into my inner circle. I used to blab about all kinds of stuff to people that didn't have my best interests at heart. In fact, they would use those things against me. So your level of trust is connected to part of your safety. Now, that's something we talked about with, with Doug Setter coming on the podcast. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and, and listen to it. So we all know about salespeople, okay? Many salespeople lie through their teeth or exaggerate, to say the least, right? Let me tell you how many stupid anti-aging creams have I bought promising me wrinkle-free skin or acne-free skin or removing the bags under my eyes. <laughs> Buyer beware is very true. I hate to admit I've been scammed so many times. Have you ever been to a timeshare presentation? <laughs> that is no joke. I went in knowing how these people were. Scams. We went in there not wanting to buy a timeshare. Let me tell you, those guys can make a car salesman look like a saint. They could sell ice to Eskimos. Don't ever go there for any so-called gift. It's not worth it. A timeshare that we got, it was two years out before they had any availability. And we wound up having to get a lawyer to get us out of that contract. 
because we couldn't even, we couldn't give it away. We couldn't sell it. It was horrible. So yes, stay away from that stuff. You know, again, the various strangers, we talked about this before. Pay attention. Get your face out of your phone. You don't need to answer a stranger's question. You don't need to help someone find their lost dog. You can handle your groceries yourself. And you don't know where Dunbar Street is. I'll tell you a story. I used to take a, a walk around my neighborhood in college. It was fall. And so I had a wool coat on. It was down to my ankles with a scarf and a hat. Now this car stopped and this guy asked for directions. I gave him the directions and he drove off. Now I continued walking around the neighborhood and sure enough, I caught him following me. So I cut through somebody's yard to a shortcut. Now he finally caught up with me and then he confessed that he really wasn't asking for directions. He was telling me he was attracted to me. Then I happened to get a close enough view of his hands, which I really regretted because guess what he was doing? Yep, he was pleasuring himself right in front of me. So I ran the opposite direction of that car. I cut through a few of the neighbor's yards and he turned around and tried to follow me and I was hiding behind a few bushes. I finally got back home and I called the police. I could see through the window his car going around the block looking for me. So I wasn't kidding when I said that I've ran to get out of trouble, that I've been flashed, that, you know, that was really nerve, nerve wracking. And that wasn't the first time that kind of thing has happened to me. So here's another, another thought for you. Trusting your date. This is a big one. Dating now is so much more dangerous than it was when I was 18. <laughs> I'm dating myself, I guess. When I was divorced, I was 38. Getting back into the dating scene. Now, I had learned a lot of alarming lessons from those days. First of all, don't date right after a breakup, also known as the rebound. You are so very vulnerable. I would stay away from those dating websites, even the Christian ones. Uh, I mean, I dodged a bullet with Brian because we, we met on a Christian dating website. But there were a lot of slimy people on those sites. What they do is go on there taking advantage of the gullible Christians. Now, I would never let anybody know where I lived. You meet up in a public place. Make sure you're not getting followed home. So your registration should not have your home address on it. Either get a P.O. box or use a relative's address. Don't drink alcohol on a date. You are a prime target. You don't want to be without all your senses on a date. And a lot of people are going to disagree with me or balk at me for that. Well, I want to go out and enjoy a drink. Well, yes, you do have a right to do that. But if you choose to drink, you drink with somebody that you trust. Okay. 
You drink in a safe place, not not in a bar, not with somebody you don't know. In fact, drive yourself there to the date or hail a ride. And this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> you don't owe anybody sex after dinner or movie, whatever. Okay, I've, like I said, I've been on these dating websites, the Christian ones, and they talk about sex right away. That's how you know their intentions are not honorable. So if you decide you want to get serious with someone in this day and age, I'd get a background check. I mean, good grief, just Google the person. You know, if you're, you've been dating a while, I would, I'd look on his computer history. I'd look on his phone. During the dating process, this is where you do not ignore those red flags of character, behavior, and conversations. That's zero tolerance of lying, physical violence, a bad temper, pornography, crime. Now, if you feel slimy or if you feel dishonest going into his history and asking if you can, you know, use their phone or computer, come out and ask them. If you can't ask them, do you mind if I look at your computer history? Do you mind if I look in your phone? If you can't ask them that, there's something wrong with your relationship. No, I'm not talking about the first date or the 10th date. I'm talking about you've been, you've been dating for a while. Six months, eight months. Don't trust every person that you date right away. And this, this I'm talking from experience, folks. So let's talk about your doctor. Most people trust their doctor, but unfortunately I've heard stories of people that have been violated by their doctor. And that's, that's horrible. Now, I only see a doctor that's a female for the sake of safety. Um, particularly a gynecologist or a urologist, I would never see a man. That's just me. It's for my safety and my peace of mind. I know people like, I got family members that they've always said male doctors and, oh, they don't, they don't care. You know, they've birthed all of the babies and they're not like that. Well, but there are definitely some perverts out there. I mean, I would take somebody with you to an appointment um, just for the comfort and safety. Um, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was Jordan Harbinger, I think. And they were talking about one of the gymnasts that was assaulted by the doctor of this gymnastics association. And the mother was in the room with her and he was fondling, fondling her under the towel. There was a towel draped over her and it it was just a horrible story that she was very young and gullible, but she never said anything. Well, hey, you know, he's got his hands inside me. What does that, uh, what does that have to do with being a gymnast or sprained ankle or a pulled muscle? Anyway, just be safe in that department. That's the same with a counselor. You know, I understand you have problems with trusting a counselor that you don't know. It will take time to get to know each other to see if you're even a good fit. Pick somebody who is trauma and abuse trained. Sometimes you have a personality conflict, which is nobody's fault really. A counselor 
should make you feel safe. They should be a good listener. Without judgment, it should be absolutely confidential. Now, eventually, you'll be able to open up to the deep issues you have. But don't be afraid to change counselors because it's a chemistry thing. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. But the rules still apply with, with a counselor. And I told the story about how I was violated by a counselor in seventh grade. And he groomed me for probably a year. Probably groomed a bunch of other girls. And I trusted him. And he had decided to violate me one day. So I was like, you know, I came to him to tell him my problems. And they were stupid seventh grader problems. Nothing major. Just came to vent. You know, and he preyed on me. So I was able to get out of that situation without further harm. I was able to get get up and escape. Um, you can hear more about that in previous episodes. But usually trusting your teacher or your coach or your mentor, the counselor. Um, this role should not be in the top tier of your trust circle. These are professionals that are paid to teach you something. A skill, a job, a sport. They're to inspire you to be your best. They should be at a professional distance. That means no more than a handshake or a high five or a side hug at the most. That means no giving a ride home. No going to the coach's house. No getting special gifts from the coach. Going to places alone with the coach. Now, team outings are fine. And I had remembered that in high school. I lived three miles from high school. And I had to stay late for something. I don't remember what it was. But I think it was an English class. And I asked the English teacher for a ride home. And he said no. That he wasn't able to do that. And looking back, that was really wise of him. Not that I had any ill intentions, and he certainly didn't that I knew of, but that wasn't appropriate for a teacher to give give me a ride home. So I walked the three miles like I was supposed to. <laughs> These are the things you need to think about. You know, it's especially true with the youth pastor or a church leader. Just because it's in the church doesn't mean you should let them into your highest tier of trust. That sounds terrible, doesn't it? And a minor should never be alone with a staff member, volunteered or paid. There should be no special treatment for one child. You know, group outings are fine with chaperones. There's accountability for all. Accountability for the child. Accountability for the adults. Okay, these are red flags that you need to pay attention to. This, to some of you, sound like a no-brainer. But the line of work that I'm in with this ministry, I hear story after story after story. And social media just drives me nuts. Folks, quit posting all of your personal business on Facebook. Your address, those dumb quizzes, how you're related. You don't realize how easy it is for strangers to find out way too much info about you online. So it's the holiday season. Let's dig a little deeper here. We're 
your parents. Now, your parents are supposed to protect, love, and nurture you as a child. So many of you listening have been abused by one or both parents as a child. And it's hard to break free from that. I get it. Most likely, you will do the same thing to your children if you don't heal from your own abuse. You don't want that. And sometimes the abuse continues from your parents even after you're an adult. You don't have the mental fortitude to break the cycle. Yes, it's hard. You are told by society to trust your parents. Honor your father and mother. Yes. But that doesn't mean as an adult that you are required to put up with abuse from any family member. Ever. Sometimes that means cutting ties with that family member if they don't respect you. That goes the same with a sibling or a grandparent, a cousin, anybody. No, you don't have to give your trust any of them. Again, you don't have to go to holiday dinners if you don't want to be around those people. Hey, <laughs> you don't have to enter the door, the phone, you know, and you need to protect your kids from that crap. People seem to think that you have to answer that phone. You have to answer that text message or that email. I've got a gate around my front yard with a lock on it. I've got a security door. Nobody's going to come in to my house without my permission. How about, um, how about you and your children, your minor children? Trust but verify? If they're minors, you have every right to monitor their life. In this day and age, this is a necessity. Okay, cameras and recording devices are cheap now. And this sounds like helicopter parenting or I want to be able to trust my kid. Well, again, trust is earned. There are so many pedophiles hiding out there to be going through life blinding trusting. Your kids say they're going somewhere they had better be going there. If they're not where they say they are, you know, one that breaks trust with you, but that's dangerous. And, you know, I don't have children of my own. Made that very clear. I was a nanny through college. That's how I paid my way through school. I was a nanny. And I, I watched everybody else's kids. I was in junior church. I was teaching Sunday school. I was in the nursery. And I've been around kids my whole life. When their parents were gone most of the day, I was with them. So I do have value. I do have something to bring to the conversation. I'm not a parent. Brian's a parent, and he's got he's got so many stories about his two kids that um, he didn't share on his episode. He wasn't in the mood to, but... You know, his kid's lying to him or doing really crazy stuff. But the number one thing is he could not trust them. If you can't trust somebody, then your relationship is broken. But, you know, hopefully you're teaching your children that they can come to you for anything. 
to be able to tell you everything. So that means you don't freak out when they tell you something personal or they call you up at 2 a.m. to come pick them up from a party. Develop that trust with them. Talk about concerns calmly. Don't punish your kids for telling the truth. You know, they're going to get consequences for the deed they committed, of course. Teach them that lying will mean doubling the punishment for that deed. And make sure that you're being truthful and transparent with your kids. This is a two-way street. Now, when I was violated by that counselor, I was able to go to my parents and tell them what happened. Not everybody can say that. I understand that. But you break the cycle and you be that, that safe place for your kids. Let's go on to caregivers, babysitters. Now, anyone taking care of your children in your absence besides you demands a considerable amount of trust. I would not have a caregiver in my home these days without a camera in the home to check on the children's care. That's with anybody. You know, you can have a video or sound recordings. The police should be involved right away with any suspicion of abuse of a child, period. That includes relatives, you know, your friends, you know, the babysitter. Watch your children for any unusual behaviors. Depression, eating disorders, rebellion, isolation, bruises, things that are out of the ordinary for your child. Something's off here. I need to investigate that. So we're going to move into the spiritual realm here. Trusting churches. Now, there are good churches out there. There are real Christians who will love you for who you are, accept your warts and all. It may be a bit of a search to find one, but you have a great opportunity now. Most, a lot of services are online. So you can explore a lot of church services with little risk right now. I'm hoping to have my pastor on the show in the future to tell you what a healthy church looks like and how to find one. There is such a thing. And I've been burned by many churches and I know that you have too. Well, I think that we will do a part two on this trusting subject. I have a lot more to say and I don't want to make the episodes too long for you, but so Come on back next week for part two where we talk about trusting God and uh, trusting the Bible. So for the music at the end of this podcast, I'm going to leave you with one of the songs that I sing at Christmas that is more towards my classical singing. It's called The Virgin's Slumber Song. It is quite old. It's normally sung in German, but my German is not very good, so I sang it in English. And this is a live recording at one of my Christmas concerts years ago. It's one of my favorites, and I hope that you enjoy it as well as I do. 
Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.